Welcome to the Reluctant Agilist. I'm Dave Pryor. Today, Sanjeev Augustine is with me. Sanjeev, thank you for being here. Thank you for inviting me, Dave. It's always a pleasure connecting with you. So Sanjeev and I go way, way back to PMI and, and the SIGs. That's when we first met, way back before I even was doing anything with Agile. It was a long time ago. That's when the rocks were soft. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, Sanjeev is the CEO of Lightspeed, and did you do a lot of speaking. You've written a bunch of books. Um, and today we're going to talk about the new thing that you're working on, which is value management offices, which somebody else pointed me towards this with the work that you're doing. And you're writing a book about this, right? Yes, I am. Okay. So my first question is, what's a value management office? All right. So a value management office is a cross-functional, cross-hierarchy, and a cross-silo team of teams. All right, so let's unpack each one of those things. Right? Okay. Because it's a bit of a mouthful. Cross-functional, we kind of know that, right? From is Agile or Scrum team concept, we have right. different people from different roles. And it could be business, could be IT, could be production, could be ops, cross-functional. Cross-silo, that one, we pay lift service to, but we don't really do that good a job, right? So we we cut across development and maybe testing and production. But we, if you think of the, about the bookends going from IT into business, right? so that's shifting left, we yeah. need to pull, cut, cut across that silo. And then on the other side, going from IT into production and deployment, and we need to cut across that silo as well. So if we look at an end-to-end -end slice of the organization, a horizontal slice, that is the across silo, right? Getting people from yep. different groups, pulling them together into a team of teams. So you might have somebody from like HR, somebody from accounting, somebody exactly. from IT. Exactly. And then, and when you say cross-functional, are you also talking about all up and down the food chain, or is there a certain exactly. layer of management level? Yeah, and and the the concept is of that of a it's an older one, uh, older concept has been around since the 1950s, and that is of a linking pin. So obviously, you can't get 300 people from an ARP in, into the cross-functional team, right? So it's going right. to be it's somebody representative uh, from a team could be different okay. roles, could be rotating membership. And then there's a cross-functional aspect to that. And then the other one that we didn't talk about yet is the cross-hierarchy. And that's also okay. a linking pin type concept where we'll get folks from the uh, from the teams represented on this uh, Agile VMO, but also uh, leadership, right? Executives, both business and IT, we want them as well because that's the link between strategy and execution. Yeah. And so this creates an ability for them to have conversations across all levels of the organization, like every dimension of the organization. There's a core group of right. people that are having these, getting to know each other, having these conversations. And when you're talking, I mean, if you were just saying it was about agile transformation, I could see where they would get together and talk about like what's working, what's not working, but you're talking about something different, right? Or slightly different. Uh, well, yes. And uh, so it is about agile transformations if you're doing that, but if you're, uh, if you've already completed your agile transformation and it's about business agility, right? So the three dimensions, there's a dimension of uh, program management and that's usually one level above the team, right? We're talking about managing dependencies and delivery uh, at a level above the team. So that's a program level. Bump it up another level and you're talking about portfolio. We, let's say we have assumed some, uh, or put in, establish some OKRs, objectives and key results, mm -hmm. establish strategy, then we want to drill those down. We want to fund them by value streams. And then that has to be tracked and managed across uh, across different 
teams, programs, and portfolios. So that's the portfolio aspect. And so it's it's really a, a question of uh, decision making velocity up and down the the uh, the hierarchy, uh, driving towards speed and business agility, okay. and then flowing the work across the different silos, as we mentioned, through those conversations and the work, uh, managing the work and prioritizing it and de- uh, managing the dependencies. Okay. And then the third dimension is organizational change management. Even if you're through an agile transformation, when you start to work this way, completely end-to-end and completely uh, up and down the, hi- uh, the food chain of the hierarchy quickly, there are, there's a change in behavior that has to be established, and that's the change management aspect. Okay. So can I ask you questions about these things now? Because I was absolutely furiously <laughs> scribbling notes while you were talking. Um, I'm wondering if you can comment on decision-making velocity and how this is going to, one, why that's so important, and two, how this is going to enable that to increase, how this is going to you know, speed up your velocity with making choices. Well, let me give you a story. So in one of our engagements, we had all the conditions for a, a very successful uh, agile transformation. Right? So uh, a CIO that we had worked with before, and he brought all, you know, all, all of the uh, behaviors that we wanted, or the, all the training and coaching and all the aspects that you, you, know, you normally want to see in an agile transformation. Uh, team members were on board. We had uh, folks on business from on board, folks from IT on board. And we got moving and it's like, oh, this is going to be a slam dunk. This is going to be great. You know, you got folks at the executive level. We've got the team members on board. Middle management is on board. This is, oh, it's going to be a cinch. Well, except that once we started moving, we started to run into issues, right? And the issue that would happen is that every time that a decision had to be made by a product owner, it would get stuck, right? And so the teams were there and the product owners are like, oh, shoot, you know, we're on board. We came for training. We want to move this forward. So we started drilling down into it and we found that the product owners were not empowered to make a decision. Ah, oh, okay. And so what they had to do is they had to go to the boss. Get permission, yeah. And what do you think the boss had to do? Go get permission. I've, I've had this gig. <laughs> and it went all <laughs> the way up to the chief financial officer. So you want to move a button on a screen or you change it from pink to blue it had to be approved by the chief. So, so this isn't, I had a situation where there was a product owner that was afraid to make decisions because they didn't want to get fired. You have one where there's actually a structural authority thing where they're not allowed. Yeah. So okay. it is interesting, very collaborative culture, very consensus, or, except when it came to this, right? And it was yeah. only on the business side. IT, IT was fine. And, but the net result was that transformation fa- failed, right? So that's an extreme example. But I think anybody can relate to this sort of issue where we need decisions to be made quickly yeah we need people to be empowered at the you know the the to the lowest level and and if that doesn't happen then you don't have business agility okay so then this is like one of the key aspects of that is to be able to say that you've achieved a level of business agility you have to be able to quickly make decisions and respond to information you gain Right. And you're not keeping executives out of it, right? Through these VMO meetings, you know, usually twice weekly or sometimes even once a week if necessary. The executives are there, they're comfortable, the stuff is all transparent, but the team can move forward rapidly. Okay. This advisement or advice process, as we call it. Okay. So 
I'm, I'm, one of the things I'm really curious about when you were kind of explaining how it all worked is I'm wondering how sophisticated an organization would have to be to get a VMO up and running. Like, do you have to already be mostly through your, you know, like pretty far down the path on a natural transformation, or is this something you would establish like from day one? Uh, from day one, it, honestly, okay. a lot of folks already have existing PMOs. Right? Uh, that was my next question. What <laughs> happened to the poor PMO? All right. right. And, uh, you know, we'll talk, I'm sure, a little bit about the upcoming book that we're, we're writing and that's going to be published. But it's really about making sure that middle management is empowered. And of course, the PMO as part of that middle management can pay, play an amazingly value added role structurally to make this stuff happen. Now, there's mindset changes that need to happen. There's, you know, waterfall artifacts that we need to be left behind. And we need to move from uh, measuring output to measuring outcomes. Yeah. But that can be done. And you can start even as you're sort of uh, changing the engine and with your agile adoption, if you will. Okay. So what you just said about, you know, switching over to outcomes and what you've said about change management kind of gave me a new question. Um, when I talk with people that are moving out of waterfall and we're talking about what we're going to measure, like how we're going to track performance, whatever that thing is, I feel like the people that come from the waterfall only have like four answers to that question. Like what, what reporting do you need to see? They want utilization. They want that stupid stoplight report. They want their Gantt chart. Mm -hmm. They want, you know, something, stuff like that. And, um, that's not the kind of data that we want to give them, but weaning them off of that old way, bringing them into the new way, do you find that there's a a limit to how fast you can bring them into that stuff? Or are you just sort of like rip off the Band-Aid and make them switch completely? Uh, I, I believe it depends on the organization. Right? Okay. Uh, if you want to move quickly and you have folks who are used to working collaboratively and you have good relationship uh, relationships between the various parties in a business, IT, other folks, HR, legal, then you can move quickly because everybody's committed to the common goal. If there's entrenched bureaucracy, if there, if there's a control regime, for example, in the federal government, there's it's, it's subject to the contracting pro process, then you do have to rip, up, rip, up, rip the bandit off. Otherwise, okay. it's just not going to happen. There's too much uh, investors invested in the status quo that people are not just, they're not going to change. Yeah. So that's one of the things I always wonder if there's, if at some point, you know, like we have like work and process limits, if we're going to get to a change in process limit where we're going to be able to tell within an organization, like you, this is it. Like, dude, you put one more new thing in here, it's all going to snap back to the old way. Right. Um, I think that would be a really cool thing to be able to figure out. It's, it's, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm very excited about the fact that you're talking about middle management because I feel like that whole layer is like the last mile. I mean, we've got people working with teams, we've got people working with executives, yep. and those poor guys in the middle, PMO included, they're trying to do two things. They want to do the new thing but still do the old thing at the same time because nobody told them they could let go of the old thing. And we need to give them a clear pathway and directions on how to do it. Right? So. Yeah. You know, we have great training for team level folks. We even have some executive stuff, uh, training, you know, in most organizations. But what specific guidance and training and, and steps are we giving to those folks, right? Uh, in middle management to make that transition. Historically, change management efforts have succeeded or failed based on middle management. I, I forget there's a particular statistic. It's like 90 plus percentage of uh, change management efforts led by middle management succeed. Really? 
Yeah, which is wow. counter to counter to the. Uh, I would not. I would not guess that. <laughs> Remember, it's change management efforts led by middle management. Yeah, yeah. I just it, it always seems to me like those are the people that are just trying not to get fired. Well, some of them. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I guess that's part of it too. You've got to inspire a certain yeah. contingent of that layer to rise right. up. That's right. Yeah, this is cool. So what? So the book's going to be coming out when? Um, this fall, I would think September is okay. about due to August, August or September. Working with a publisher to figure all that out right now. Okay. And what's the? Is there like a specific message you're trying to get across with this? I mean, obviously you've created this. This new or, or acknowledge the need for this thing and found an answer to it. Is there a specific problem you're trying to fix or question you're trying to answer with the book that you want people to be able to look to this and be like, this is where this gets solved? Yeah, and it has a few different dimensions, right? The this specific message is let's just find a way to be successful. Okay. <laughs> it's hard. Change yeah. is hard. Agile transformations are hard. Delivering value is hard, even if, whether you're doing agile or not. And letting go of your PMO is hard. Letting go of your PMO is hard, right? Yeah. And or transitioning is is hard. And and so there there's a human aspect. And we were at a, at a large customer some couple of years ago, and something they said really struck me. Uh, this gentleman who was our customer, he said. In my organization, the way the change is being affected, project managers are running for their lives. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, that's not a pretty picture. Right? No, because, it's, it's a bunch of control freaks running around trying to save themselves. Bad idea. Well, not only that, there's humans at the other end of that, right? Oh. So we don't want yeah. anybody to be running for their lives. Right? So, yeah. I would rather the conversation being about how do we get remove the redundancy, the waste of the old ways of doing things and make sure that those amazing people or who want to add value um, have a clear path to do that. Right? So yeah. that's, that's one, one outcome that we're looking for is to give a clear role for middle management, project managers, PMOs, program yeah. managers, portfolio managers to rise up and lead. Right? And it's not been well, well defined. Okay. Um, and then on the other hand, you have the uh, the processes, right? So whatever scaled framework you're adopting, whether it's the scale agile framework with SAFE or discipline agile or scrum at scale, right? Again, it's very tough, right? So things are tough with less or scrum at scale or Nexus or what have you. And then it becomes what is the best mindful way to implement your framework? Let's say safe, right? You take and you have a value stream teams or solution teams. You have, uh, you have your arts. Uh, what's your RTE doing? What's your Epic owner? And I'm picking roles above the team level, right? Yeah. How do they actually deliver value? Because at some point, um, things get heavy and creaky. And yeah. so what we're looking for is a lightweight organizational construct that can pull together whatever methodology you're using and make sure you're actually focused on business outcomes. I think this is great. I, I think, you know, I made the joke about the control freaks and I consider myself to be one of them, but um, I think it's great that you're giving people something to do other than wait for the ship to go down around them. Right. There's a way that they can become part of being a dynamic, dynamic leaders of change within the organization and contributing to the positive future instead of, mm -hmm wondering how to stay in the shadows and hope they avoid the next set of layoffs or whatever. Exactly. 
This is great. It's a lot of hope. So you're bringing hope to the project uh, management space, which is a nice <laughs> thing for a project manager to get. We don't get a lot of hope. Uh, that's the background that I came <laughs> from. So, you know, I've always had felt a personal burden to to operate in that space. Yeah, this is great. Um, so I have one, I would like to ask you one totally unrelated question, if you don't mind, before we close it out. Go ahead. Um, the pandemic's been really weird for everybody, mm-hmm. and it's been hard for a lot of people. And one of the things I've been trying to focus on when I do interviews at the end is just to ask, what is one unexpected blessing that you have gotten out of this pandemic? Like one thing that has made the bad stuff be like, you know what, but this, I would not trade this. This, this has been an awesome gift that I've gotten. Uh, Time at home with, with family and just the time to reflect, to improve and uh, not be on the road because yeah, uh, you know, as uh, trainers and consultants and coaches were pre-pandemic, we're always on the road, always traveling. Yep. And uh, sometimes the universe just says, I'm going to pull this away from you and force you to introspect and do something good with this. It is yeah. hard, right? And uh, business uh, had to be changed around. The business model had to be sort of blown up and put together again. But the time... Uh, and it's not all been good, obviously, get bored and frustrated and there's isolation and all that. But the gift, I believe, is forcing each one of us and myself included to say, okay, what are you going to do with this time? How are you going to use it? Yeah. And it's been fantastic. Have you picked up any new hobbies or re- rediscovered any? Eating less, moving more. All right. That's good. That's great. Um, it's, it's, what's interesting to me is it seems like it's amped up people's creativity a lot. Like even like Joanna Rothman is my favorite example. She usually writes a book a year. She, when I spoke to her this summer, she'd written five Mm -hmm. since the pandemic started. (laughs) Uh, Or like people that are, you know, rediscovering playing music or, or whatever it is. It's nice to see people get a chance to breathe into that again. Yeah. Yeah, there's been a number of other hobbies and a number of things that I that I was doing sporadically that I do now regularly now, getting on my bike, um, going walking, yeah. uh, picking up photography. There's a list of things or just reading, a whole ton of things that I've been able to do. Though, uh, like you, I have Zoom fatigue and, and a yeah. ton of meetings and all that. So that detracts from <laughs> all well, the uh, fun pursuits. But maybe when we when it does go back to the if it does go back to the maybe when we get back that we'll all be that much more charged up and fulfilled and ready to tackle. Well, so it. that's that's the other thing that I'm thinking, and I, I'm really hoping that we can all move to uh, a, the next normal, which is was wasn't the same as what we were in, in February of 2020, right? Yeah. Where we reserve some time to maintain all these be healthy. Things. To be healthy, <laughs> some time exactly. Crazy talk, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Eat and just uh, not throw this back uh, in in the health, you know, in the rush to go back to something that uh, that we thought we used to have. Yeah, it's kind of. Bit, I mean, there's aspects of it that's a nice reset or maybe a necessary reset. Mm-hmm. Um, well, this was great. I appreciate you making time for this, and it's always especially fun for me to get to talk to people where I can lean on stuff from project management. I don't have to worry about whether or not they're going to know what I'm talking about. <laughs> so <laughs> thank you for that. Um, what if people want to get in touch with you? What's the best way to do that? Sure. A couple of simple uh, ways. I'm on LinkedIn, Sanjeev okay. Augustine, S-A-N-J-I-V, first name, last name Augustine. Uh, I also have a 
personal website, which is sanjeevaugustine.com, no spaces, okay. or my company website, lightspeed.com, and that's L-I-T-H-E, life, like the word flexible. Oh, people, people try to spell it like light. All the, so there's they, tons okay. of five different <laughs> I'm going to put links to all of this in the show notes, so they'll be able to find you very <laughs> oh, easily. Great. Yeah, lightspeed.com, sanjeevaugustine.com, or LinkedIn. And they can keep watch there to find out when the book's out. Absolutely. Yeah. Cool. And awesome. podcasts. I have, you know, a podcast. Oh, yeah, the podcast. Yeah. What about, let's talk about your podcast. All right. It's called Ag- Agile Caravansarai. Actually, so that was I'm glad thing. you said it because I saw the word and I didn't want to try to pronounce it. So, <laughs> Caravansarai? Yes. So, Caravansarai okay. are those uh, basically the stopping points around the Silk Road, the ancient Silk Road, where people would meeting places where you okay. would stop, have conversations, get some rest and recreation and inspiration. And so in the middle of the pandemic, I'm like, you know what? We're all kind of in this together. People yeah. are you know, bleak future. Things are grim. What if we get people together to start talking about that? So yeah, agilecaravansarai.com or just go to lightspeed.com and it's a podcast over there. Awesome. Well, this was great, man. Thank you very much. And good Thank luck you, with the book. Appreciate it. And all thanks right. for having me. Yep. 